this chapter to you. Remember, this is following Luke 1 through 20. Uh, This is after the birth of the Lord Jesus. And uh, we'll look at these scriptures together this morning. I'll focus in the preaching time mainly on verses 1 through 12, uh, but I'd like to read this whole chapter. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi, or wise men from the east, arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been said or written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken Through Jeremiah, the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, And go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus 
was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. This morning we have kind of a main theme for verses 1 through 12. The wise men traveled afar by watching a star to worship the king whose reign would lift man's sinful mar. The wise men traveled afar by watching a star to worship the king whose reign would lift man's sinful mar. This will be the main theme and the idea of looking at these passages, verses 1 through 12 of chapter 2. We notice here that it is Jesus who is mentioned being born in Bethlehem of Judea, and it's in the days of Herod the king. There's giving us a timeline for the very birth of the Lord Jesus, and then a timeline for that time after his birth, within probably just a couple of years. We're speaking of a time frame where people really paid attention to the stars. Now, we still watch the stars to some degree, and lots of people pay attention to the stars all over the world, and there's all kind of science that's still devoted to it. These men had devoted their lives to that as well, and they were watching the stars, and they were carefully paying attention to these stars, and these men, seeing a star, began to travel. Number one this morning, the wise men traveled afar by the light of a star. The wise men traveled afar by the light of a star. Now, we sang a hymn this morning that said, We Three Kings of Orion are. They probably, honestly, weren't kings at all. Um, we Three Magi of Orient are doesn't really go that well in singing. Uh, it would probably be hard to say wise men, but they were actually uh, wise men. They were of this uh, region probably of Babylon. They were wise men probably from the region of Babylon, and they were wise men of high caste and order. In Babylon, the wise men of those days were wise men who were thought well of because they paid attention to not only the stars but the seasons as well. And they were men who often were looked at as who could tell what might happen next, so to speak. And they were thoughtful men in high caste and position in a far region of Babylon. Now, there's several scholars that debate back and forth about exactly where they were from. The text really doesn't tell us exactly. But we know they came from further east, and they came from some distance because of the time frame between the birth of Christ and when they arrived. And then we can also gather that because this is the information that Herod himself gathered to make his decision to murder all of the young male children two years old and younger. These men were thoughtful men of high caste and order. Probably they were wise men of the ilk from Daniel's day. Now, you remember we've been 
going through Daniel's life, the early portions of it so far, and we've talked about the conjurers, the sorcerers, the magicians, the Chaldeans, uh, and this is a, a similar ilk of, of caste, order, and man of Daniel's day, although it be uh, quite a few hundred years later. These wise men, they knew the stars well enough to notice something very different in the sky. And you'll notice in the text it says that it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east. Now later in the text it just uses the idea of the star itself, but here it specifically says it's his star. His star. They weren't just looking at the stars and noticed that probably several stars they had seen before did something a little different. It seems very obvious from the text that they noticed a completely new and different star and they called it his star. Now it's quite possible the Lord could have ordered this star to be uh, in creation from beginning, from the very beginning, and this star would have been there. Uh, for uh, millennia or it's very possible that God himself had brought about this star in some miraculous form he could have done either we don't know exactly but we know that these wise men they named it and called it his star and we know the God of creation is powerful enough to have created a star thousands of years earlier that would soon in orbit and movement come into place at the exact right time? Or, as the creator and order of all universe, he could have made a star specific at that moment in time. Either way, he's got all power to do both, and we praise him for it. For when they saw his star, they recognized it was different, they recognized there was something special about the star, and the star was leading them to find this new king. Well, upon their travels, the wise men traveled, number two, the wise men traveled seeking one king, not two kings. The wise men traveled afar by the light of a star, and number two, the wise men traveled seeking one king, not two kings. It's interesting that when Herod heard the news of the wise men and he heard the news of the star and he heard the news of this new king Herod's all of a sudden very interested now think about it for a moment if you're a king already in place and you get wind of a new king what's more than likely going to be your thought well is somebody here to take my throne Who is this new king? And you have to think about the day and the age. We're at a time of, uh, you know, the early portion of the, the Caesars of Rome. And what would be the history of most kings is that there's a lot of trouble when you're a king keeping your head. Now that also happens in the later English kings as well. But in this day and age especially, they would have been very concerned about a new king. 
who was on the horizon. And so Herod, his ears perk up upon this news of the wise men coming, and he's saying to himself, I think I need to find this king. Well, King Herod heard the news of the wise men and their visit, and King Herod questioned all of the wise men regarding the news. Not only did he want to later hear from the wise men who had come following his star, but it says here in verse 4, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Now, why is it that all the people and all of these chief priests and scribes were willing to come? In verse 3, it says, not only was Herod troubled, but all Jerusalem with him. Now, the word troubled doesn't necessarily mean that all of them were troubled in the same way and that all of them were troubled in the most negative way. It gives the idea, though, that this is a bit of a, uh, a mental upheaval. And you can imagine for a Jew, m- most Jews who've gone to synagogue and heard the scripture read, they have an idea of a Messiah to come. And so when they get news that there's this a group of wise men from the east who've seen a star and they're coming to find this king, then all of a sudden there's, there's some mental upheaval in the Jewish community. They're looking around thinking, is, is this him? So they're troubled. The Jewish leaders are troubled. Herod is troubled. And it says that he gathers all of them, the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. The original gives the idea of the word Christos here, and that's the word of Messiah King. And they heard this news And now Herod wants to know and he wants to get all the information he can. Think for a moment about uh, the the power of a king, his ability to gather all of the, the news, information, and intelligence he can. And this is what Herod is doing. He wants to find out everything he can about this new king or this Messiah, Christos. Well, the Jewish chief priests and scribes, they gave the information they they had in verse 5 and 6. And they said, well, this is what the prophet says. It's in Bethlehem of Judea that he's to be born. And they quoted the scripture to him from the Old Testament. Well, in verse 7, it says, Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. So here's Herod gathering all of this information. And now, not only is king in Judea, is he going to be the one to use the chief priests and the scribes to his advantage, but now he's able to secretly call these wise men before him, and he's going to use them as well. So King Herod sent the wise men in reconnaissance for himself. 
you ever use somebody else to do some work for you? Kind of glad to be a father of some older children now. I have boys that uh, help me in the yard and they have to get out there and clean up the leaves and you know, I'm, I'm using them for some work to help me, right? You know, I'm saving energy for myself, right? Now, in the back of my mind, there's a part of me saying, well, I'm teaching them things, right? I'm teaching them to be young men, to be those who get work done and they're diligent and they're thoughtful. And that's true but also have some desire that I like the help. I like having somebody out there with me. I like somebody out there doing more work sometimes, even than me. There's occasional opportunity, what do I like? I like to manage and supervise, see? Well, Herod here has a little bit of an ulterior motive He's not just wanting to know where this Messiah is, but he has a desire to get rid of him, and he's going to use the wise men to try to do that. Well, thirdly, this morning, the wise men traveled with worship on their mind. The wise men traveled afar by the light of a star. The wise men traveled seeking one king, not two kings, the wise men traveled with worship on their mind. Notice here is after they left from Herod and they were sent to Bethlehem and they were supposed to report back to Herod, it says in verse 9, after hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Why are these wise men so diligent to follow this one single star, probably for months, maybe for a year, maybe even 18 months? Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him, and worshipped him. Probably the best translation of the word is paid homage, but it certainly is the idea of worship. These wise men traveled with worship on their mind. They journeyed to pay their homage to the new king. Now, think about this. These are foreigners. They're not Jews. They haven't been brought up in the Jewish synagogue. They haven't been under the reading of the law of God or the prophets of God. They haven't heard all of the prophecy that others would have heard in 
the Jewish synagogue and maybe even read in some of their homes or quoted in some of their homes. But here they are with worship on their mind. They came to pay homage. They journeyed with gifts to bring to the new king. Now there's lots of debate about these treasures they presented in verse 11, the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I'm not sure always what to make of these three separate things here, but I can certainly give an indication that all three of these gifts were of great worth of the day. And if John Broadus and other commentators are right about this, I think there can be said something of the importance for these gifts for Joseph and Mary and the travel that they would have to incur over the next few months and even years. If you think about Joseph having to uproot himself and to have to go in for the census and the child to be born and then for him to have to flee from Herod's wrath and to stay away for a while, he may have been able to pick up some work along the way, but these gifts would have been gifts of great worth to help them as they had to travel until there was a time that they could be more settled. I think there's good reason to think that that was very helpful. And think of what that means for the provision that God gave not only of his son unto men, but to the two parents who would take care of the child on this earth. God provided the means that they would need to take care of his one and only son on this earth. It says a lot about our God, doesn't it? That from the greatest thing to a star that he would make, either thousands of years before or put it in the sky in a moment's notice, from that all the way to the very means to be able to clothe and feed a small child as they had to travel. God provides. If he provides for his son, he provides for the mother and the father of his son. Although we know Joseph was not his biological father, he was the father that Jesus had on this earth. It was Joseph who would need these provisions to care wisely. For Jesus as he would grow and mature in stature and understanding that one day he would be the teacher and he would be the one who would live that perfect life and die a sinner's death. Well, not only did they journey with gifts to bring to the new king, they journeyed away from Herod to hide the new king. And these wise men, by God's grace, really were wise men. They saw through Herod, didn't they? We're given no notice here that they were given some special revelation in the sense of God speaking to them and telling them Herod's plan is bad. We don't really have that in the text. But we do have an understanding that these were 
thoughtful and wise men of the day and the age, and they knew a scheme when they heard one. God had been gracious to them and the mercy, even as Gentiles, they had been granted great mercy to have enough wisdom to realize Herod's plan was an ill-fated plan. But then verse 12 gives us an indication. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, what do we say to this? We have to realize that God not only gives wise men the context of their own minds, but in the supernatural purpose of his plan, what does he do? He gives them that which they need to know specifically what they must flee from. It shows us the provision that God makes for not only his own son, but for all of his people. This is special revelation here. Wise men who had brains and yet at the same time given special revelation. Scott came and he read the scripture this morning and he prayed. What did he say? We're about to hear special revelation. We are to engage our minds. We are to use the minds that God gave us and be thankful thinkers. And yet we have to recognize that God in his word has given us special revelation. We may not hear a dream or see a dream in the way these wise men did. We may not hear those things the way these wise men did, but this very word is special revelation. When we are told that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, it's special revelation given to us to know that he is very God of very God and very man of very man. The dream that we have told to us is a reminder of God's special revelation to his people. I think sometimes we can walk away from hearing the Bible read or hearing it preached and not really think about or understand what just happened. When you read your Bibles in the morning or in the evening or sometime during the week or when you hear it read here on the Lord's Day, do you take a moment and pause and give thanks that God gave his people special revelation in his word? It's something greater than general revelation. I imagine after paying homage to the king, these wise men, upon hearing this dream, realized, wow, this was even bigger than what we thought. That's what special revelation does. It puts us in a place in our minds to go, whoa, this is bigger than I thought. This is why the telling of the Christ is so important because it's bigger than we can ever think and imagine. Even as believers, and we grow gradually over years and we gain more knowledge, when we come to the Word of God time and time again, we're reminded This is bigger than I thought. It's interesting. 
there were only a few witnesses at the birth of the Christ. There were only a few witnesses when this toddler was approached by these wise men and worshipped. And yet this was the worship of the eternal king. Last week, sometime, I don't remember what day now, but last week, the final match of the World Cup was played. It's maybe not as big of a sport in America, but it's huge across the world. It's estimated that 5 billion people globally watched the World Cup. 5 billion. Now, NFL loves it when 52 million watch the Super Bowl. But the World Cup match was watched by about 5 billion, which is about 75% of the Earth's population, by the way. They watched a bunch of guys, I think about 22 of them, I think it is, kick a little ball around, arm fight with each other, run down a field, kick that ball in a rectangular, netted goal, and just go berserk. People dancing and going crazy in the stands. Restaurants and bars all over the world filled with people watching their team Cheering and screaming and going nuts and crazy. But very few knew the eternal king came to the earth that day. Born of the Virgin Mary, as a toddler was worshipped by these wise men. And he was the only one who was and is capable of dealing with the sin of mankind. As much as I'm a sports fan, I don't know, but the coming of the Christ is a pretty big deal. Sadly, one day it won't be 75% of the earth's population who sees his return. It will be every one of them. Some in the astonishment, hope, and absolute glory will look at his coming. And others, it will be the terror. But not one on this earth will miss it that day. I would say to you, this is one of the greatest days to worship our Lord and our God. I want to leave you with three observations, lessons from the wise men. Number one, stars are useful but are not to be worshipped. Stars are useful, but are not to be worshipped. Even the wise men weren't worshipping the star. 
Think of all the things that people worship in creation. There's countries that have whole religions dedicated to the worship of nature in some way or another. There's tribes still scattered throughout different regions of our world who worship creation in some way. And even in our so-called modern society, we have all kind of things we worship. But none of that was meant to be worshipped. Stars are useful, but are not to be worshipped. Number two, worship is for the king who made and ordered the stars. Worship is for the king who made and ordered the stars. When we think about that star, his star, being in that sky, it was a star that led those wise men to the one who was to be worshipped and is to be worshipped. I hope when we gather every Lord's Day, we come with minds and hearts desiring to worship and glory in the one eternal King, the Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you think you can sing a note or not. Sing it out and praise him. Praise him with your mouth and your tongue and your lips and your voices. Bad notes, good notes, no notes, whatever they are, praise him. He's worthy of us singing and praising him. When that special revelation is read, remember we're giving him praise by hearing that thinking through it in our minds and asking that the Spirit of God would not only illumine its truth, but instill its truth that we would long to obey the commands of our Lord. Thirdly and lastly this morning, wise people will worship the only Sovereign, eternal king. Number one, stars are useful but are not to be worshipped. Number two, worship is for the king who made and ordered the stars. And number three, wise people will worship the only sovereign, eternal king. You want to talk about wisdom. If you're here today and you're here to worship the one true living God, in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if you're here to give glory to the one eternal Son, then thank God because he's given you wisdom and you're a wise person. Many today will go along about their day and think little of the Christ. They will not see and know and understand That the king has already been born and he's reigning. He's reigning right now, today, over all of creation. When they think little or nothing of him, then they are being unwise. And their thoughtlessness 
will be to their peril. May we ask that the Lord would keep us wise, that we would be worshipers of the one true living King for the rest of our days to the very end. And if Christ does not return before we die, that when we die, we will be those who are still found in him. Wisdom is in worshiping the king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've been merciful to us that you would give us a time to hear your word preached. We have been able to sing praises so far and will continue to do so by your grace and for your glory. Spirit, we ask that you work in the souls of people according to your will and your purpose. Will you give us wisdom to worship and glory in you alone? Even as we come to the time of the table, will you make us thoughtful? that we would come to the time of the Lord's table worshiping the Lord Jesus for who he is, what he has done, and what he is doing. We give you thanks. Through the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.